If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode, this welcome back episode. Hey, we were off for a minute. We're of here. Mind Pump. We actually took like a week off. So Where would our, you go? Reno, Hawaii, or Alaska? Yeah, we're shaking mm. off. We shook off the, like uh, loser. the podcast uh, dust with this episode. So for the first hey, 24 minutes. A little mic uh, rust. Yeah, for the first 24 minutes there, uh, we had some good uh, warm-up conversation. felt like riding a bike. <laughs> yeah. uh, a uh, Justin, Justin went to Reno. Uh, the worst whoop, place whoop. of all the time. <laughs> I fucking need to hype this up a little bit. I went to uh, Kauai, the beautiful island of Kauai, and Adam went to Alaska. We all had some interesting adventures. Uh, I I hiked a bunch of awesome stuff. Adam saw some incredible wilderness, and Justin had too much Sweet weed. I bought away. weed legally. Right. Stay away from stay away from the food yeah. on the cruises. Yeah. There's like cafeteria foods. Live off your green juice. That's right. Yeah. Adam had to use a lot of his Organifi green juice because he wasn't he didn't have access to lots of uh, vegetables. By the way, if you want to try out Organifi's green juice, go to OrganifiShop.com, enter the, the code MINDPUMP uh, for a discount. Then we get into the fitness questions. The first question was... How do you differentiate between hunger, uh, that is real hunger, or just like a craving or emotional hunger? We talk a little bit about that. Then we answer the question on advice for long-distance relationships. I know you think you're listening to a fitness podcast, but we're actually experts on everything. Yeah. So we talk about relationships there. Uh, then someone asks us a question, do we think it's legitimate that in order to be great at a sport, you need to start at a very young age is that true or can you be great if you start uh much later on uh for example i'm going to start playing football now yeah. and i'm going to prove this wrong by becoming you have no chance great at uh throwing the football mm. uh then the like final <laughs> exactly yeah. then the final question is how do you deal with performance anxiety uh mm. we all have a lot of advice on that uh and we talk about all kinds of performance anxiety not just the filthy type that you're thinking right now. Also, it's closeout. Two days left. There's only two days left for what's turning out to be our biggest promotion yet. We're giving access to our private forum for free if you enroll in any MAPS program or in any of our bundles. Right now, one of our more popular bundles uh, is our Sexy Athlete Bundle. I've actually seen quite a few of those come up. The Sexy Athlete Bundle is taking MAPS Aesthetic and melding it with MAPS Performance with a mod that teaches you how to combine the two. And what it's doing is it's teaching you to be extremely functional while training for aesthetics as well. So if you're kind of like a bodybuilder, physique competitor, bikini type person, uh, but you also like that functional type of stuff, Mm. this is for you. Or... If you're that functional person, if you love doing the CrossFit stuff, you love doing hiking, mountain climbing sports, but you also want the aesthetics, this is also for you. So if you enroll in that or you enroll in any of our other programs, you'll get access to our uh, our forum. If you want to look like Bo Jackson. For free. Uh, <laughs> what? Because I do. Also, the price for the forum is going up Lost in two days as well. So not only are you getting free access... Uh, but it's going to go up in price anyway. So seriously, take advantage of this promotion. You can find it at mindpumpmedia.com. 
And it's T-shirt time. T-shirt time. We, we like to bribe people. Do we have, we have like five million a, rec- reviews. a record reviews this week, Doug? Yeah, we had 46, I believe. Holy, Holy shit. Last week. Last week. Oh, this is last uh, week. This 46 week, reviews. not quite so good. Oh, really? How many no. this week? We, we had nine. nine. How do we go from 43 to nine? I'll 46. tell you exactly what. Tell Why? Me. Tell me. You guys went on vacation. Uh, and when you guys go on vacation, they miss us. We get the reviews. They miss oh, us. Come well, back to us. We're back. Let me remind people real quick how to leave a review. And again, you win a free T-shirt if you leave a five-star review, and we pick your review if we like it. Can we break the forty-three records? Uh, I don't know. Forty-six or forty-three? Forty-three, forty-six. I don't remember. All right, it doesn't matter. Uh, what? Here's what you do. Even if you're subscribed to us, you got to do this in order to leave a review. Go click on your icon for your podcast. Uh, you go to the search function, type in mind pump, mind pump comes up, click on the icon. Then you'll see a little thing that says review, click on review, then leave a five-star review so that you can win one of these limited edition mind pump you t-shirts. You can win. All right, Doug, who's the winners? All right. We're going to give out three shirts this week. We have Okie bum 23, Chris H262, Enough187. All of you are winners. Send the name I just read to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com, your shirt size, your shipping address, and we'll get that right out to you. We are on fire. When I, uh... In fuego. <laughs> I'm going to share some personal stuff here. Oh, I can't wait. When I left, <laughs> when I left for my trip... Dude, did you guys uh, see the, trip? Did you see the, the photos that I posted from Alaska? I did. I did, dude. Amazing. Epic. They yeah. were beautiful. Postcards. A- absolutely beautiful. So, Posting postcards. What I was going to say is, because I want to talk, talk all about these yeah, yeah, I did go to Reno, actually. It had did, a lot, did you a lot see of our, fun. Did you see our boy, Ryan? Yep. He hooked it up, man. I went to you know the fight and everything. Got to watch Connor. And, Downstairs in the, the bottom room where they do the big screen and everything. Did they set it up down like that? Up in the sit? ballroom, yeah. How was it? They oh, it was food, cool. Food, drink. Food, drink. We, we sat in the very front. There's three screens going. Packed crowd. Crazy, dude. Connor came to fight, man. That was a good fight. Very, very surprised. We're gonna say so. I, uh, May- Mayweather sh- should be embarrassed. Yeah, I think. I think so because uh, I expected him to fully dominate hard, and he yeah. didn't really do that. Until, well, he wanted to claim that Connor that was all tired. part of his game plan. Did you, right? Yeah. Did you? I, you know, I go back and forth on do I did, did he intentionally kind of do that? Right? Like he, he didn't even throw a punch for the first round. I don't think. Yeah. First round, he like literally did not throw a punch. I think he didn't throw a punch till the very, very end of the. He was the, trying to wear him out for yeah. sure. Which he, which, and then Connor got exhausted, mm-hmm. and that's when he lost. Yeah, you'd think that Connor would have picked up on that though more. Like, like if he, he's just like waiting for him to just like waste all his energy. Yeah, I think I'll tell you what the uh, ducking and all that shit though. You know, he was turtling away from him. That was pissing me off. There was a was it now? Is this true? Because someone told me that there was a press conference where Connor said this is before the fight. Uh, the rematch will be in the cage, and Mayweather's like, "You got it." Mm-hmm. That ain't happening. You know, I, I I highly doubt it. Yeah, no, no, it's not. But you don't no think way. they would do it for another fucking massive no, payday? No, I don't. I don't think Mayweather Dude, would. Dude, Mayweather would never do that. Yeah, he would never do. I yeah. mean, look at the fact for a hundred million. Not even for a hundred million. I mean, I think that. I yeah, mean, he, he made he made like he three. So he made three hundred million yeah. on this fight. Oh my god! Yeah, three hundred million dollars. It's insane. That's fucking insane. Yeah. For one, I, I told Katrina, I'll so fight anybody. Yeah. You guys hear that? <laughs> anybody. I will fight the, the scariest, most deadliest motherfucker on this earth for $300 million. Dude, for $300 million, I'll fight a shark in put the me, water. I was going to say, yeah. put me in the ring with a gr- fucking polar bear, dude. I will fight. Water. I'll yeah. fight yeah. anything for that. <laughs> That's ridiculous, dude. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you got kind of a chance, right? You with what? Like, like poke him in the eye or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Son of a bitch. That would suck. You could, so, you could buy a whole new body for that. 
You could. You could buy a, a lot of bodies. Ooh. So what I, <laughs> my bad. So what I was going to say, <laughs> what I was going to say. Sound a sex trafficker. Justin, did oh you go to, you went to, Reno with, you went to Reno with your your best friends? Yeah, yeah, from high school. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it probably was longer you than and, that. It even. was just you and a bunch of dudes? Just me and two dudes. We broed out. That was all we did. Oh, yeah, wow. We broed out the whole, the whole weekend. So I was up there for like four days. Yeah. Do you have any uh, cannabis? We did. Was it? Is it legal there now? You it can just is. buy it over the because counter? it's legal. I, it's recreational. I didn't, I, know I didn't that. even know that. Yeah. Did you overdo it? Uh yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I'm not used to this whole like you know like uh, you go in for a car and you get like real stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Like oh my god. And so yeah, I was uh, out in public and it was. <laughs> I had to was like telling them I was like losing my train of thought. I like couldn't talk i couldn't order a drink i was like we gotta go back to the casino dude this is getting <laughs> ugly <laughs> and i wasn't alone too they like i was looking and we were just everything was moving super slow dude and so anyway yeah that was one of those things you're just like uh i'm a rookie in this department <laughs> i not know what i'm doing i'm surprised that that even happened to you considering how many times you've uh hung out with me and adam True. I, f- I would figure you, you'd, your tolerance would be that would be well. Better. Edibles I can handle. Like I, I had a really good chocolate. It was like a um, it had like espresso in it, so it was like perfect because it like a little bit of a stimulant there, yeah. and then yeah. So that was that was money, dude. Fuck. I know. I missed you guys. I did miss yeah. you guys too. Man. That's what I was gonna say earlier when Adam interrupted me. I know. I was, it was a touching thing. I was gonna say. Keep going though. You got you got to power through it. <laughs> well, when I left, no. Did you go? Did my you have your, did See, you guys? Well, this cocksucker keeps doing this shit. <laughs> Come on, Sal. You got to power mother. through it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I told Justin when you were in the bathroom. Yeah. I said, Sal's gonna, gonna be so jack you. Sal's yeah. gonna be so excited to tell a story every time he tries to tell a story. Oh, gonna interrupt. Yeah. I figured that would happen. Oh my god. Go ahead, bro. I won't fuck with you. That was fun. I got I got what I had to say out. So. My feelings are hurt. Now. <laughs> I was. It's. It's a very nice thing. What I was going to say. Wow. That was a very nice thing. Anyway, you, for, you forgot. You guys go. Too you bad. No. It's like, <laughs> when I, when I left, I thought of like all the people I would miss, like my kids, you know, my family, and uh, I missed you guys the most, more than anybody else. You wow. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. More, I, I, more than I, I miss felt, my kids. I felt the same. I actually missed work. Yeah. Mm. It, I think that's the first time, probably in my life. Where and I've had times before where in the middle of building a business or you know excited about something that's happening at work that you know I was thinking about it still when I was on vacation. But normally, like I get on I get into vacation and I'm I'm enjoying myself and I'm not worried about home. And I wasn't worried at all about what's going on back here. But man, it was only a couple of days in and I was already felt like okay, I've rested plenty. I'm fully rested. Get me back to work. There's so many things that I want to work on and I want to do right now. That it, it was a it took a lot out of me to uh, to try and reset completely and detach from everything back here. How about you guys? Oh, you- I, so so I went to Kauai and the the intention was not to um, go to a resort and just relax in the sun. I wasn't looking to do that. I wanted to go do some challenging hikes, some climbs, uh, go see some stuff. Really, just kind of challenge myself um, and enjoy the. The, the natural beauty of the island, uh, which is what I did. And it was really only when I was doing those things that I was able to detach. Once I was back and just kind of relaxing, because we'd get back to the resort about like 3 p.m., then I was like thinking a lot about like what we can do, you know, right. work wise. I was missing. Wise. Yeah. But we went, uh, we did, um, let's see, we, we did the, uh, uh, we did Wamea Canyon, which they call a, the, the Grand Canyon of the Pacific. 
hiked that. It did some challenging hikes there. The, the views were just spectacular. Then the next day, we did uh, a hike on what is that? Uh, Kalalau Trail, where you, uh, which is nobody told me this. Fucking challenging, dude. Like, oh, dude. Like, you're gonna die. Yeah. Like, if you fuck up, <laughs> you're, you're gonna dead. watch every single step. It's yeah. gnarly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're gonna die if you fuck up. Like, you're literally, I'm climbing on a cliff. I'm going uphill, stepping on different rocks. It's wet because it rains there all the time. Some parts of the trail are about this narrow. So on the left of me is the is the is the mountain. On the right of me is you fall to your death. Yeah. Wow. So you're hiking that. And no rails or no safety at no, all? No, 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 nothing. Wow. And, and you you cross several streams, and there's no bridge or anything. Like, you cross the stream. You have to, like, hop on rocks. Yeah. So we do this whole this whole thing, not the whole trail, which is 11 miles. I wasn't going to do that because uh, if you do the 11-mile trail, if you finish it, then you should camp at the end of it and then come back. There's no way you do the whole thing in one day. So all we did was, like, five or six miles, which took us, like, three and a half hours. That's how challenging the trail was. It took us that long just to do that many miles wow. but we crossed these streams and then finally at the very end i'm like oh shit we're almost there this is awesome fucking stream was like full of water and i'm like how are we gonna get across <laughs> like what are we gonna do yeah i saw and, the and my, and my i girl, saw the video of jessica falling down. Yeah. <laughs> that was great my girl's like we're just gonna walk through <clears throat> and i'm like i don't want to walk through a fucking stream <laughs> like it's fucking running water like, like, like walk through yeah i don't yeah. gotta do that but i did i walked through and then there was a speech but uh, i'll tell you something this is how big of a pussy I am with that kind of stuff because I've never really challenged myself that way, is there were kids on the trail too. Yeah. Like people were hiking with their kids and that would really give me like a gut check. Yeah. Like yeah. every time I was like, whoa. Like, I'm stop scared. being a pussy. Yeah, yeah like I'm- The seven-year-old is getting through this. <laughs> yeah, I'm scared. I don't know if I want to keep going. There's like a kid doing it. You know? Skips right by you. Oh, but uh, it's such a gorgeous, uh, just a beautiful island. I mean, Where did you guys stay? We stayed at the Sheraton uh, on Poipu Beach. And we rented a car, so we would wake up every morning at like 6 a.m., and then we would be in the car at 7 a.m. going to wherever we're going to go. And then we did luau's. I don't know if you have you guys yeah, ever been to I a luau. I went there last time. Yeah. We did a, uh, the Smith Family one, which mm. is like this real traditional luau. Okay. Great performances, great food. Uh, I, I, we're gonna go. I'm definitely gonna go back, and I'm gonna go backpacking in Kauai next time. I'm gonna do it like legit. Did you do that one? Uh, was it the inner tubing? The where you go through those rivers, like you go underneath? No, like, yeah, that's so all, much all stuff the plantation to do. That, fields. And that's all what that. I was asking him about. If he did that, but that I was heard, a cool you, one. You've got it booked at like months in advance now. Really? Oh, it's booked out for for. Oh shit! Yeah, we were we looked into that um, when we were out in Maui. We were going to take a plane over there just to do that. Yeah. And why we didn't was we couldn't get in. We, it was a month before, and we still couldn't get in. So, oh, yeah, that was one of my favorite things I did there. That and the hiking, of course. Yeah, was- well, there's this kayak uh, thing that you can do that is along the North Shore or whatever where you can kayak three days in a row to different campsites, and it's like hardcore. So I'm thinking about doing something oh, like yeah. that next time, you know? Rough it and Kauai. Yeah, God. That doesn't sound like my vacation at but all. it's uh um <laughs> the the lushness of the of the plants there it's like so dense you're like in a rainforest on the north shore it is yeah. super super dense tons of vegetation fruit growing everywhere uh chickens and pigs everywhere yeah you literally you could be yeah they ran all over the place bro you could like never have to buy food again the the you i think the they they allocate like one pig per person per day if you hunt them and I don't know if you can hunt the chickens and kill them. I, I don't see why not. And then there's fruit growing everywhere. Like you could live there 
on the beach and eat like a king forever. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you got everything you need. Speaking of living there like that, we drove or we, yeah, we drove by, right? You'd say drive by. We floated by. We floated by where, have you guys ever seen the show Alone? Are you familiar uh, with that? Alone is this show where they drop oh, off. Oh yeah, yeah, They drop yeah, yeah, off yeah, yeah. ten contestants oh, on seen, yeah. uh, on a, on this peninsula off of Alaska. So it's just above. It's just north the border of Canada, and it's right uh, at the at the bottom part of Alaska. And I forget the name <clears throat> of the island, but they they we drove right by there, and that's where they they drop them off. And it's so the the idea of this show. It's a reality show where you they drop 10 contestants off. They're all like 15, 20 miles apart from each other, so they don't ever find each other. And the idea is who can survive the longest. And you get nothing. You get no food. This is a really wet part of uh, uh, up there, like in Alaska. I, I mean, honestly, everywhere is really wet up there. Wet, yeah. yeah, it's it's constant. I think they I think they say like- So wet. <laughs> every, oh every day of winter is like rain. And then even in summer, it rains a lot. So it's, it's pretty wet and cold. I mean, it was- uh, I was, I had uh, packed accordingly, but still could have packed warmer and more clothes. That I didn't realize how wet and cold that it really was, and I should have. You I mean we're going up to a fucking glacier and stuff? Right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> duh. But I, I, for some reason, I thought that like there would be other areas of Alaska that would be like warmer. And, and did you some... see any grizzly bears or anything uh, crazy? We didn't see we didn't see any grizzly bears uh, up close. Uh, we we saw some from far, but I mean it was it wasn't like uh, it's same thing with the whales. Like I saw some whales from far. I had one come up close to the boat, but uh, a bunch of dolphins. Um, so the and a bunch of bald eagles. So the wildlife was okay. I wanted it to, uh, you know, I had heard from other people like how amazing it was. And so one of the trips that we did because of weather got canceled. So the one I was most excited about, which is kind of a bummer, my first stop was in Juneau, Alaska, and we were to get in a helicopter and fly to a glacier, land on the glacier, and then go dog sledding. Oh shit! And because the weather was so fucked up, they actually canceled our trip. So I was really bummed about that because of all the things that we had set up. Yeah, that uh, sounds epic. Yeah, because we set up, like we did ATV driving one day um, back in these old mining logging or logging roads. We did, uh, we hiked uh, a couple different places that we were at to a glacier and a waterfall. And so every day we, we pour, uh, that we dropped into a port, we did something cool. But the one I was most excited about was the landing on the glacier. How long would you guys stay in a port? Uh, a, a day, so most of the ports you get in there like first thing in the morning. So you, you you'd hit about seven o'clock or eight o'clock in the morning, and then you have basically all day till ten o'clock at night to oh, cool. to be on the whatever town it was. And most of these towns are, <clears throat> I mean, they are tiny. If it wasn't, they get cruises cruise ships every single day for six months, and they have four to five cruise ships come in. Each cruise ship has like three thousand people. So this town sees. 15,000 people or so from the cruises every single day for six months out of the year. Then the other six months, it's like a fucking ghost town. Like I talked to like a lot of the store, store, store owners and they were telling me like you could literally light yourself on fire and run up down the street naked uh, in three months and there's nobody here. Like nobody would know you're on fire. Like there's just nobody around. But it was packed when I was there. So when I travel, I like to uh, notice the or pay attention to the culture of the area. Did you notice anything about like the culture, like the people, the... It okay, a little bit because it was hard because literally a majority of what I saw was from the cruise. Oh, yeah. Like so most people were very tourist. But it was neat because some of the some of the tour guides and places that we were at would actually tell you like how to spot a local. 
like based off of how they were dressed. And so, you know, most of the locals were always wearing like these tall rubber boots, which just gives you an idea of like what the weather probably looks like year around there. If like every day you put on a pair of, and they, I think they call them Alaska slippers. I think that was the, <laughs> so Alaska slippers are these like fucking rain boots that go up to your knees because the weather is just so unpredictable there. Yeah. So I, when I got, uh, when I got back, um, I went on the freeway and I was driving like 55 miles an hour because I didn't I didn't realize I had acclimated to the speed that they drive on Kauai. Like everybody drives hella fucking slow. So slow. Yeah. It's like the it's, most they're chill, in, relaxed. In no hurry, right? Yeah. Everyone's flip flops and yeah. fucking, oh, come on in, and, come on in. Totally yeah. different than driving. I, I had the same yeah. shock when I got back here. And Katrina was just, Katrina and I were talking about, because there, so talking about the cold like that, so you do notice that. You just, everybody is, um, when you live in California, the states, period, but California, I think at most, like California and New York, I would think is like this too. The, the fast pace. Oh, like, it's competitive we're, we're, as fuck. Right, we are in such a hurry here yeah. to get places. And so when you go somewhere like Hawaii and Alaska, life is so different. Like the, the, the hustle and bustle to get from point A to point B is nowhere near what it's like for us here. So it does, it's a bit of a culture shock when you're, and I have to like be patient because like, there's times where I catch myself getting irritated because, you know, people be in line like to buy something and they'd be having great conversation, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Like, da, 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 and you're going like, motherfucker, like I'm standing here waiting in line, <laughs> but I'm like, wow, this is just how everybody is. You know, you stop and you talk and you're friendly and, you know, if I'm waiting in line, then I wait longer, you know what I'm saying? And, get, and just kind of how everybody is like, it's, there's no, yeah. there isn't this pressure to hurry up everywhere yeah i could totally see see myself living in a place like that for a short period of time oh i was gonna say that for a short i could see it for a little while i could see doing something insane. like that but then wanting to leave you it's know after like a vacation. couple of years yeah i couldn't do it i don't really yeah it's just like it's too slow it's too slow i mean i enjoy it to like as a, as a change of pace but but i mean i like to be challenged and i like to like be driven so you know i need to be in that environment i've thought of that too like you know like staying even like two weeks for me is like too long you know like, oh seven days was, I was like ah i was ready to get off the boat for yeah. sure i mean really? i'm on that boat too so there's a difference there i guess a little bit but just being away from it. i love that i love i mean how was the food and stuff on your on your boat <clears throat> the boat food is fucking horrible it's like cafeteria food but i only ate that twice huh. so only two times that i actually so you have the way that these these cruises work right is you pay like this all-inclusive fee so you have all the food on food is free on the boat. They but they have special areas like it's fucking pizza and nuggets and like hamburgers and hot. <laughs> yeah. It's like fucking garbage food. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. And and then they have like cafeteria, like I mean like a buffet style breakfast. Horrible. Everything's horrible. But then they have like these really fine dining, like you know five course, six course um, a meal or restaurants. Uh, uh, throughout the the boat, right there. I think there was one, two, three, four, there was five. I think five on there, and they're all different. Like one was called the Salty Dog, and it was like American Grill burgers, things like that that were really good. And then there was another one that was like a Crab Shack, so it was all like crab legs mm-hmm. and uh, lobster things like that, really good. Then we had another one uh, <clears throat> that was kind of like a French style. There was duck and things like that served. So there's, but then I you got to pay extra for that. So, of course. But, and for us, we were, and a lot of people I know, they go on these cruises and they're, they're trying to save money. And so they, you know, you've paid for your all inclusive. So you could technically stay on that boat and not really spend any more money and just live off the food that they're giving you. But I can't, it just, it was horrible. It got the first, I tried the first day 
And I looked at Katrina. I couldn't even finish my plate. I'm like, no, fuck this. There's, there's no way I can't do this. <laughs> and so I live. I literally lived off of our green juice. Like our, I brought. Thank God that she brought. She brought some bars and then uh, a box of our uh, green juice from Organifi, and that became my staple breakfast. Like I just, I woke up, I had a cup of coffee, and then I had my my green juice, and yeah. that pretty much sustained me till we got to a port. And then we get to a port, I get off. Now the food on whenever we got somewhere, amazing. Well, the, I'm sure the fish was oh, probably. Oh my god, yeah. the best crab! I had the best I caught like uh, an hour ago. Oh. Bro, the best crab and lobster. It's a different game, right? Oh, it's, like, it's yeah, it's a whole other like the best fish I've ever had here. Which I think, I mean, we're close to San Francisco and the, and the Bay. So well, no, we, we've got good seafood. It's yeah, just different, though. Yeah, it's it's another level yeah. of good there. That the halibut and the uh, yes, yeah, because that's where they catch it all. Yeah, the Alaskan cod, yeah, the, exactly. the halibut, and the uh, king and the, crab, the king. Yeah, and they have king crab here. So we normally eat when you eat crab here. We normally eat Dungeness crab. Mm. King crab is there, so these crabs yeah, are this big. Legs, like, yeah, yeah we, we had a leg. You know, <laughs> I get a leg this this Holy big. It, literally a, a forty dollar leg. Like so, it's uh, yeah, forty bucks per leg. So we went to one place where you you roll up and you you order by the leg, and we'd all get all. We had to pile like, like three hundred dollars worth of legs. We we're all <laughs> digging it, but so good, dude. Mm. Oh, so good. So were that, you able to get your hands on any vegetables over <clears throat> there? Because I would assume the vegetables probably were would suck, right? Because they don't grow much. Over very there. tough to get vegetables. That's why I literally lived off our green juice. Yeah. I went through a full box of our green juice. Sometimes I had it twice on a day mm. because of that exact reason. Uh-huh. I pretty much what I would do was. I would eat as much seafood as I could when we hit the port. So I would buy, I would eat a huge, huge meal, and then I would buy to bring back onto the boat for me to have later on again. So I would, you know, do that, and then in the morning time I was eating, eating the or drinking the green juices, and that's pretty much how I survived through the trip. Only got in, I got in two workouts in the gym. But the rest of the time we were really. Oh, you active. worked out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I didn't do a single. Dude, thing. I worked out at the the South Reno Athletic Club. Remember oh. the one we went to? Oh yeah, I went there that twice, place. dude. Oh, Love it was awesome. Place. Yeah, I showed my friends at gym. We we powered it out. It was like, it's like a playground, dude. For you know, it's got everything. We played basketball, you know, and then we like threw the ball around and shit on the grass. That's got to be one of the best out. gyms I've ever been at. Yeah, for sure. No, I didn't work out. We didn't work out at all. We did lots of hiking. But what we would do with nutrition-wise is our schedule would – we would go out real early, whether we were going to do a hike or whatever. We did ATV one day. Then when we'd get back at about 3, we would eat something, and then we'd have dinner. Uh, and the seafood in Hawaii is just incredible too. But it's all the local stuff that they catch. So you'll get the, the right. fish of the day. So – and then I ate uh, fish tacos at some place that was supposed to be like one of the best, but it was just like a little shack. Mm. But the fish tacos were fucking oh, incredible. That's, that's how these – a lot of these places you get off – and the onto the port, and you go find the restaurants aren't really restaurants. Most of them are like these little trailers with a thing over. Which uh, that's how it's in Hawaii, like mm. the same thing too. Mm-hmm. You, a lot mm-hmm. of them are just these little trailers with a little canopy over the top of them, and they some are just of those serving, burger joints there. Oh amazing. man, they are just serving <laughs> up some of the best. Now you, uh, I this was crazy to me because these towns in Alaska are super small. We didn't hit any of the big ones. Uh, we hit like a lot of the small Juno. Uh, Ketchikan, uh, Skagway, uh, these are all like these really small, like only boat or plane you can mm-hmm. get to these these places. Dude, you ran into some mind pump uh, at every right? fucking place. This blew my mind. That's crazy. I was so surprised. Um, you would think that we're a little used to it now when we go places, but not here. I'm thinking Alaska. Like who? Yeah. The, who the fuck is listening? <laughs> I didn't even see a gym anywhere. Like so, I didn't even think it existed. 
And uh, shout out to the guys over, and they were in, let's see here, Ketchikan, Skagway, Skagway. Uh, we, we stopped there. Um, they were the first ones that actually caught me um, before I got off the boat and messaged me and said, hey, come by our store, 907 Clothing in Skagway, and hooked it up. Just said, hey, pick anything you want. They're a huge fan of the show. I thought that was so awesome. Like, obviously, I bought something for Katrina, too. I couldn't just take something for free like that. It felt, didn't feel right. No, I got recognized at a luau. Um, there was some, <clears throat> some kid there who comes up. He's like, oh, I listen to Mind Pump. And I was smashed. Oh, you were? <laughs> yeah, dude. They had Because at the luau, it, it included, like, drink as many of the Mai Tais as you want. Uh, and, yeah. And, I mean, Mai Tais, like, that's my kind of drink. You know what I mean? It tastes fucking sweet. You <laughs> the know fruitier, the better. Yeah, yeah. so I'm just... <laughs> Yeah. Just pounding them, and I'm a lightweight anyway, so I'm hammered. And this, this kid comes up to me, and he's like, hey. And I'm like, oh, what's up, dude? What's, what's Mind Pump? What's what are you guys talking about? Yeah. But uh, no, it was, it, was, it was good. But I'm glad to be back, man. I missed you guys. I know. Dude. I had a great workout when I got back. I could tell my body felt good. It needed Maybe needed some time off. So I'm surprised workout. you didn't lift. Not at all. I'm proud of you. Not even once. That's mm-hmm. tough for you, I think. Uh, it used to be. Not really anymore. I think if it was just a relax, like not do anything trip, then I probably would. But we did so much fucking hiking Activities. and moving. Yeah. By the time I got back, man, I was just I that's was how tired I felt. I chill. felt the same way too. Yeah. You snorkeler? Did you do any of that? Or I what? didn't do anything in the water. What? No, it was all in the it mountains and hills and yeah. all that stuff. Mm. Yeah, but nothing else. <sighs> Doug, bring on the bird. Vacation bird. <laughs> it's so lazy. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. All right, our first question is from Prime and Glory. When we feel hunger, what is the difference between thinking you're hungry and your body actually needing something? <laughs> it's actually a good question. It is. <clears throat> and I think there's I think there's levels of needing something, right? Yeah. I think most people are their their perception of like uh what our body needs and what it actually truly needs is, is really really off. Like, I'll I'll say a controversial statement, but I'll 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 defend it. I think most people most uh, people in you know Western developed nations probably have never really felt what, hunger. Real, yeah, real, I don't think what uh, like like uh, like pushing the boundaries of hunger. Right? Yeah, like, we're like oh, it's oh power bar. I'm gonna die. Where your body yeah, actually no, need, needs it, right? Yeah, I don't think we've ever really felt uh, that. And here's here's a little uh, here's another answer to this. Whether or not you think you feel hunger or you actually do, it doesn't matter. Uh, both of them are perceived as. Um, you know, feeling hungry. The, the, the difference is being able to separate um, if you're expecting to eat and if you actually uh, need to eat. Because I know for myself, when I used to eat, you know, six or seven small meals throughout the day, if I missed one of them, I'd be starving. I need to have food. I need to eat. I don't feel right. Uh, I'd feel lightheaded or I, I used to think, oh, Low I need to eat. blood sugar and all that. Yeah. But the reality is I expected to eat and then I missed a meal that I expected to have. Mm. The first time I fasted, um, where I knew I was going to fast, and I'm like, okay, I know I'm not going to eat until tonight. I actually didn't feel anything at all. So I think a lot of it has to do with expectations. <clears throat> you know right. what I'm saying? Uh, I, I could go to a movie and you know sit in a movie theater and 
crave and think I want popcorn, but there's that association that's going on. Yeah, you've I th- conditioned yourself, you <clears throat> yeah. know, and so like you like you said, your expectation uh, for eating is really like that's like what you're feeling. Like you're more than not. Like I, I doubt that you've been away from food long enough to really experience what hunger hunger is. We're so disconnected from the actual signals that our body sends us that we think we're hungry when we're not. We may just be thirsty. Mm-hmm. We may just be bored. Just have a craving. If I'm at home and I have nothing to do, which rarely ever happens, but let's say I have a day off and I'm at home, uh, I'm, I'll am i eat more just because I have nothing else to do. I'm kind of bored and I recognize that. So it's a good question, but I, I'll, I'll tell you this. Well, you, we, you, we also have to define what need means yeah. because- do we mean our body actually needs it because we've ran out of glucose? Mm-hmm. Is it be, is that what we mean by need? And so we've we're now, but but we know what happens when that happens, yeah. right? When we tap out of that, our body now Ooh, starts ketones. to yeah. starts to use yeah right ketones and and fat as a source for fuel, which that's not a bad thing whatsoever. And in fact, we should probably tr- be trying to put ourselves in that position uh, more often than not. So you know, what do we mean by need now? If you're somebody who has a goal of bulking and building muscle and that's your primary goal, well, and you completely deplete and you become uh, catabolic, it's not advantageous for somebody who's trying to build muscle. So that person, you know, those signs of hunger is probably a good sign to tell you that, hey, you need some more fuel and more food because you're probably running low. But that's because your goal is to build and you you want to be in a surplus more often than not. But if you're the average person who's looking for health or is trying to lose body fat, I mean, we're probably trying to flirt with this this feeling of hunger more more times than not. Yeah, you are. And you know, real physical hunger doesn't come on suddenly. It's it's a it's kind of a gradual build. And so the reason why I'm explaining this is because a lot of times you'll eat breakfast or you'll eat lunch and then a few hours later, like, oh my God, I'm starving. That's not real hunger. That's probably more of an emotional type of hunger where emotional hunger comes on very sudden. It's more of a craving. Uh, You can also ask yourself this question, you know, oh my God, I'm so hungry. I'm starving. I want to eat this, you know, burger. I want to eat this whatever. Would you have that same feeling if I put a bunch of carrots or celery in front of you or something that's not necessarily palatable? If you still feel that same that feeling, then you know that it's real hunger and not just, you know, a craving for something. Because we've all been in that situation where we just ate a meal, someone put something sweet in front of us, and now we feel like, oh, I'm hungry for that ice cream right, or I'm right. hungry for that dessert, which is again more of that emotional uh, connection. I, I recommend this: if you're healthy, if you're healthy, and you know you get cleared by your doctor and everything's okay, I would say uh, go on a prolonged fast. That will reset mm-hmm. how you connect to some of these signals big time. Like if you could do like a good 24 to 48 hour fast, um, then you can start to really identify what real hunger is and what actual, what just cravings are. Well, that was so eye-opening for me, like because even just getting into workouts and not fueling myself before workouts, like I had to literally go through a 24 hour fast to understand that, you know, like I can, I can power through this and I'm going to be fine. You know, just just to experience, just to step out of like your ritual that you've you, you're so hardwired in the way that you eat for so long. It's like uh, your body expects, you know, okay, well, I expect a meal here, and I expect a meal here, and it's to interrupt that. It, it, it's really liberating. Yeah, well, I think a lot of where these this question stems from too is the old myth of 
you know, if, if I'm starving like this, will my body start to metabolize muscle and will that start falling off my body, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because even if this person wants to lean out, they probably want to lean out but hold on to as much mm -hmm. <clears throat> lean body mass as they possibly can. And quite frankly, if you're hungry and you're not pushing and exercising or doing any strenuous exercise, your body is not going to utilize muscle to, to get you through the rest of the day. Not at all, especially at, if you're not. It takes a while before that happens. Not only does it take yeah. a while, but then it also takes you pushing the body, right? Because you're mm -hmm. not really doing anything for it to want to utilize. It's just muscles and expensive tissue. It's not a place it wants to go. I think uh, an old school myth is that, you know, oh, if you, you know, don't eat and the body goes into starvation mode mm -hmm. and then it starts to eat away at your muscle, I mean, I remember giving that terrible advice because I thought that's what how it worked, and it's not how it works at all. And then you sold them bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, exactly, right? And then you would tell them, hey, when you start to get hungry, have a small snack or a bar to make sure that doesn't happen. Well, that's all a bunch of bullshit. And honestly, there's more health benefits and from you probably finding this place of hunger every once in a while, pushing through that, and then realizing like, oh, it wasn't that bad for me to do that, no. which is why we advocate fasting every, it, intermittently. I was just going to say, I mean... For the most part, humans forever, for almost all the time we've been on Earth, because it's a very short period of time that we've been on Earth, we've had all this food available to us. We went, on average, we would go you know, a day, two days, three days, a week, two weeks without food um, all the time. This wasn't, and this is something that people have, any, people are, who are born in modern times, who live in these you know, modern wealthy societies, probably have never gone longer than 24 hours without food. And if they did, it was because they were sick or something like that. Like most people, if you go up to someone, you ask them, Hey, have you ever gone three, you know, 72 hours without food? They'll say, no, most people, no one's ever experienced that. I remember the first time I did a prolonged fast, I felt hungry initially, but, uh, it wasn't real hunger. Looking back, it was more like, Oh my God, I need to eat. Mm -hmm. Once I got past that, I'm not gonna lie. It's it. I had. I didn't have hunger. Like after 48 hours, I'm like, whoa! I feel like I could go another 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And I made myself eat because I had only planned on doing, you know, a 72 hour fast. But I felt like I could go much longer. I didn't experience this like starving feeling at all. Yeah. The other thing you want to consider too is you may uh, be associating the feeling of being stuffed with being satisfied. And what I mean by that is. I, I can't tell you how many times I would have a, a client eat, or even I experienced this myself, where you'd eat a meal and be like, ooh, I'm not full yet. I think I need to eat more food. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the problem with that is that I had associated this stuffed feeling with being satisfied. Like I, at the end of my meal, you know, that's I, I need been to one feel of the, stuffed. That's been one of the hardest things for me to break to this day. I still catch myself. That's a hard habit to break. Mm. And I think more people than we realize have this same yeah. issue and they don't even realize it is we tend to do this is where we eat until you feel that like your body telling you like okay that's yeah, too yeah. much it's okay like, that's enough yeah learning for me to uh, to manage my portion controls this is also again uh and i know that you know there's there's two sides to this right where we talk about weighing and measuring food and portion control um uh, that that people can get crazy with that and that mm -hmm. that can become unhealthy also 
but it did teach me a lot about what I actually, my body actually needed and what I should be consuming versus my old way of consuming food, which is eat until my body says, okay, that's enough. And like finishing your plate when I probably could have ate three ounces less, less, less of that, two ounces less of that. And that ended up adding up to be four or 500 extra calories. Yeah, it's interesting. Like being overfed, like, like the same thing. I, I, I've struggled with that, like to where you, you want to, feed yourself to where you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm full. Like I've eaten all that. And then, you know, carrying that around, like I've just, you know, recently the last two, three years realized that like, okay, if I, if I've eaten a substantial meal, like I don't need, I don't even need to eat the next meal even like yeah. I, there, there's parts where like, I, I understand when I'm oversaturated, like that's really where the problems start to come out with the heartburn and with like the, right. the all this extra stuff that's going on with my body trying to process this. It's like, it's like stressing it out, you know, internally. And so like, I just messing with that alone has really helped. So yeah, how, have you, how many times has someone said to you when you're eating over their house or whatever, like, do you still have any room? Do you still want to, you know, can you eat more? Would you like some more? Eat some, and, and you think to yourself, like, I think hmm, I can fit I a can little more in. Do that. Yeah. Like, it's a thing. Like, you yeah. need to stuff yourself. Do you, know, do you know something that's helped me out with that? And we recently discussed this. Remember when you and I got into the whole water uh, debate yeah. on here, right? And uh, again, I'm always one who likes to, you know, push myself out of my comfort zone or challenge my own way of thinking, this and that. And so, you know, something I've never really tried to do is eat my meals with no fluid. Mm. And man, that has, it really forces you to chew the fuck out of each bite. Makes a big difference. Yeah. You cannot just shovel the food down because that (laughs) the only way I could do that. And I realize this now because of course I've had some days where I go back to having fluid with it, Mm -hmm. but I've done it enough now to be very aware of the difference. And there's a major difference when I've got a drink and I'm eating it's it's crazy. You just have this habit of you take a couple bites and then you end up yeah. you find yourself washing it down. Bro, you're taking it like pills. Like you're literally uh, biting it into like something you could swallow with water. Uh, like you're taking it like supplements with your food. When in reality, you need to you're liquefying it, which is what you're supposed to do. That is literally that is a big part of digestion is your, is in your mouth when you're chewing your food. And so if you don't fully chew your food. You're you're cutting out a big and, part and of I, digestion. And I some, I challenge chunks. somebody to overconsume uh, without water or something to wash it, some sort of a fluid to wash it. It's fucking hard. That yeah. it's it's amazing how it's hard true. it's been. I, I find myself like fuck. Uh, I don't want to eat anymore. My mouth is so dry. I want I, I want I want some fluid. I'm like oh, no man, no. I'm I used gonna to choke all the time, dude. Yeah, that's a big problem. Just, you know, and that's just eating it big and, and fast. And that's a part of this whole what I keep talking about where. The signals have been so we have skewed and fucked up our signals so much that we don't even know how to read them. Like that's one of them. One of them is if you're eating food without water readily handy right next to you or soda or whatever, and you're having to chew the hell out of it like you're supposed to, and then swallow it so that you don't choke or whatever. Like that's that is also helping your body's signals be more accurate as well because it's going to tell you, okay, you've eaten enough. You know, you don't need to eat more. Like but if you're washing it down, better. Yeah. dude, when I used to stuff my face, that's why I learned to eat that way, by the way. I learned to eat with a big glass of yeah, water next me to me. too. Yeah, because Be- you had to shovel it down. Because I was always trying to yeah. gain weight. Yeah. And it was literally like, I could eat way more. Uh, I can eat, you know, 12 ounces of dry chicken breast if I just wash it down with water yeah. than if I sit here and have to chew on it. And so, again, that's just one of those signals. So, yeah, I would say slow down, uh, try fasting. Uh, start to really become in 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 tune with your body. Eat until you're about fifty to sixty percent full, 
with your meal. Think of it that way. I used to, I had to do that for a little while to where I ate and I said, okay, I'm about 60% full. I'm going to stop eating. And then you start to become more connected to these signals and it becomes easier to under, to know when you're actually hungry versus when you're just having an emotional you know, uh, can, when you're emotionally hungry, which is something totally different. Quick commercial break, you guys. We keep getting asked all the time, how can I support the Mind Pump family? Here's one of the best ways you guys can. You guys love that Chimera Coffee that we have. Chimera Coffee with a K. You go to ChimeraCoffee.com, put in the discount code Mind Pump for 10% at the checkout. If you guys have not tried Ben Greenfield's new bars out, they're fantastic. If you want some, go to BenGreenfieldFitness.com forward slash Nature Bite, put in the code Mind Pump and get 10% off. Go check it out. All right. Our next question is from Eat, Sweat, Sleep, and Repeat. <clears throat> Advice for long distance relationships. Oh, wow. Oh, we got to summon the wizard. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> back, the wizard. There you go. You ready for it? Don't have them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Waste of time. Uh, yeah. Man, I tell you what, uh, I feel like. M- my advice on this probably would have would has changed over time, like what I would think. I had a my my first like high school sweetheart. She went off to Cal Poly while I stayed back home and went to junior college. So for about a year and a half uh there, we were in a long distance relationship and a lot of gas uh, gas money went to driving down there on weekends and speeding tickets of getting there. It was about a three and a half, four hour drive. God, so it was the same thing. It's crazy. Right. And it was, so it wasn't like super long distance. That's, I mean, long enough to where we don't see each other every night and I'd be driving down there every weekend that I could. Uh, that was probably one of the most stressful relationships I've ever been in my life for sure. Most, uh, challenging on so many levels. Now, mind you, I was only about 20 years old. I think around that time, 20, 21, somewhere around there. Maybe even a little bit younger, nineteen actually, uh, and I think that I would have totally handled that differently. Uh, she was a beautiful girl going to go off to college in a sorority, and I was, you know, hanging on to her and and wanting to keep her as close as possible. And she was probably going through that phase in her life where she was wanting to spread her wings a bit and freedom and she was moved moved out from her spread parents those wings. right for first <laughs> you would go there Sorry. maybe a little maybe a little bit and, of you, and you guys weren't having sex either right yeah no i was a virgin at this time oh still, fuck so, yeah. so so she went away yeah yeah to college hot it's girl like, whoa, all yeah. this attention not having sex yeah. yes that was a that was a oh i mean i have story <laughs> i have stories of us being on a phone awakening. being on the phone on like a thursday night at like midnight you know talking back when you remember when you're that old you talked on the phone with your girlfriend for like an hour like you can't get me on the phone period much less for fucking five minutes much less an hour i know hour. you think about all this what did you talk about Yo, it's, i mean oh, that's just stupid nonsense. right stupid so yeah. i mean talking on the phone for an hour or whatever like that and you know, you'd be like midnight, and like, and she lived in the dorms the first year. So, what do they do you know, now? Is like FaceTime? Is that what the kids do? Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Snatch. <laughs> so removed. Snatch chat. Yeah. Snatch chat. Yeah. yeah. So okay. Uh, so we we'd be on the phone, and like somebody would dudes would bust through her door, and you'd hear them like jump on her bed, tickling her and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> get the fuck out! Swear to God, dude. Swear to God. No, swear to God. So, I mean, imagine I'm Karen. I'll see you at the I, kegger. <laughs> <laughs> 
literally like, like literally just like that dad I'd be, on, like, I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be on the phone you know whispering they're like oh I miss you so much I got some jello shots for you I can't wait to see you hang out with your dorky boyfriend and you hear this and phone phone drops you're giggling and shit like that I'm like sitting on the other side waiting for Mark stop tickling oh totally totally like that bro and then she gets back on the phone I'm like what the what was that who's who the fuck was that guy oh that's just that's just Steven and Richard from down the hall and he's my study buddy yeah right yeah totally totally that stuff man and so I was just like pulling my hair out as a kid you know it's probably why I'm losing my hair now right it's all the same exact shit so you know all this stuff I mean obviously you know it it grew me into the how'd you guys break up did she end up cheating on you or something kind of kind of like yeah kind of like that so uh the short version I'll give you is obviously we had that was just one small uh, example of, of what I was going through all the time, right? And it finally got to the point where she obviously wanted to move on, but then we had so much history together. She couldn't, she didn't have like the, the guts to like break it completely off. Mm-hmm. And I should have been, a, I'm a young man, not smart, the, the older, wiser. Well, you're in love, dude. Right, right, years, right. So. so, yeah, exactly. So, I don't want to let go. And I remember her coming back one time to visit me, and we went to dinner. And I think I've told you guys this story. I don't know if I showed this on Mind Pump before, but I, she she left me that night to go to her friend's house, and she was like, "I'll call you later, and we'll meet up." You know, it was back in the days too when you're like, you know, you got to sneak around to see your girlfriend yeah. and shit like that, so you could fool around in the car or some shit. So, yeah. you know, she's like, "I'll call you when I get to my girlfriend's house and spend the night there." Well, I fell asleep with the phone to my ear, never never heard from her or my pager back oh, then. I think is what we had. And I, get, I feel so bad for you dude. at like two o'clock in the morning. No, it's okay. This is a totally a good story. So at two o'clock in the morning, the phone rings, and I answer. It and it's her mom and her mom's like hey where's where's Emily and I'm like uh, I don't know and she's uh, and you're, you're a good kid so you're like she's hurt I need to find well, her well so I go I go well you know she went to Kyra's house and she's like well no I called Kyra she's not there and so then I freak out I'm like oh my god well, that's where she was supposed to be. She's not there. So I tell her mom, like, I'm, I'm coming over now. So I get in the car. I race over. I go pick her mom up. And then at that moment, it dawns on me that there was, I knew there was like an upperclassman party that was in town. And I'm like, and I knew like she was like the hot girl in school. So all the older guys liked her and shit. So that was something I dealt with even too back then when we were in school. Like all the college guys liked her when she was still in high school. And now there was this this party in town. And I'm like, fuck, I bet you she's over. <laughs> so we roll up there. Sure as shit, her car is there, and only her car is there. Nobody else's lights oh, are all out in the house. Oh no! And so I like let her mom out, and her, her I followed her I'm mom. Here for the gangbang? Yeah, oh, totally, dude. And so her mom, she bangs on the door forever. Her mom trying to wait. Finally, finally, her, she calls her mom, and her mom goes back and uh, picks her up or whatever, and takes her home. And that was pretty much the end of our relationship because then after that we fucking broke up, of course, right? So it was. Do you, do, do so you still like, see- I was so drunk and he was so nice to let me in and yeah. just sleep. You and know? those guys were so nice. Yeah. Did you see. Uh, do you know what she looks like now? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm still attached to her. On I see her on my Instagram. Does she look her. good still or she look all. Is she fat now? Uh, well, she's. <laughs> I'm trying to. This is I, important. Yeah, yeah, we need, we need like. I want to feel good yeah. right now. Like, no, she's, no, she's, she's pretty. She's, she's always been into working out. So she's kept herself in pretty good shape. She's had, she's also on kid number three, I believe right now oh, so yeah oh, she's right. been the guy who she after we broke up she got with this guy and was with the same guy ever ever since then so oh, she, really? oh yeah wow. they've been together forever and now have three kids and I, I remained in contact with her for many years afterwards we still even though that was a bad breakup we still stayed you know you know somewhat friends like Cal I, Poly, I man once they go there it's over There's but guys, yeah so the long the too. long distance thing I, honestly 
And I don't know. I feel like there's pluses and minuses well, to it. Well, I think right? it really depends on where you're at in your life and with with this relationship. Because if you're somebody who, like, looking back now, that was the stupidest thing I could have ever done. As a young kid, you should be wise. You're not wise enough then, but I should have been talking to my younger self. I would have told myself, like, let her go. You know, let her go. If you really love her, there's, and I know it's cliche to say this, but they, they say, you know, if you love something, set it free. And if it returns, it's meant to be, right? I really believe that. I believe that people really kill relationships by hanging on to things totally. like if you really love each other like distance isn't going to stop that your guys's connection to each other what is going to happen though is the stress of not seeing each other where you at last night who were you with yeah. all that oh, st- yeah. all that stuff takes an incredible relationship and it destroys it because of all the insecurities that and when really when you you have to learn to look at look at yourself when you have these situations like you know, I, I, I'm sure the guys coming in and tickling her on the phone, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, we could blame her all day, but you know, shame on me. Who cares? She's in college. Yeah, like yeah, she's a, yeah. she's a freshman she's in college. Like she's lit. Like, why would I ever want to, why would I ever want to get in the way of her having the most amazing experience? And if that means letting guys come in your room at midnight and tickle you, then fucking yeah. who am I to say otherwise? Like, and how's how's that have an effect on our love? But then so, that you reflecting on that though, I had the same experience and it was like, I actually decided, no, I'm just going to leave, you know, and I got to figure myself out. And, uh, you know, and that was the best thing ever because, like, that relationship was the same thing. I was, like, holding on to it so hard, you know, like, oh, this is, like, my comfort space, right? you know. And it's, like, once you get away from that, every relationship since was, like, you know, I just had this peace about it. Like, you can do your thing. You be with me if you want, you know, like, right. or not, you know. Like, let's let's establish that right away and, like, have communication with yeah, it. I, I feel like there's pluses and minuses, right? Like, like, I, I think the minus is like what you guys are talking about. And then the plus is maybe if you're older, uh, you know, both people have jobs and mature. I don't know. I feel like there may be some positives to, to it as well because it, it could allow you the time to be super independent at the same time. You know what I'm saying? If you were to, if you were to do it, uh, I'm trying well, to look I, at the so, positives. Well, I have two. I have a client. I have mm-hmm. one client who is 50... She's, oh my God, I don't want to fuck up her age. We're just going to say she's 50 because I don't want to go yeah, too 49. high. 49. Right, yeah, she's 49. Yeah. I have two clients in their late 40s, early 50s that both are in a long distance relationship. Not really long. The guy lives over in Oakland and uh, the other one lives over in San Francisco and they both live here. And they having they've been together for like seven years, and they don't see each other during the week. They see each other on the weekends. Now they are extremely independent women. That's, like yeah. One of them owns nine McDonald's. The other one is successful in real estate, flies and travels all over yeah, the place. See, that's where I could see. Something. So they have, and we talk about it all the time. I always ask them, like you know, if they, oh, do you guys wish you see it? She, you're like, you know what? Honestly, we we've done these days where we're together during the week, and I could totally relate to this because I'm very much so this guy. She's like, you know what? When we're together on a weekday, he's so consumed by work that I'm not getting any one-on-one attention from him anyways, and I'm doing my thing anyway. So it's like, it's Hmm. not that big of a deal. And then when we get to see each other, we miss each other so much from the week that we spend all the time with each other and we're not distracted. That's what I'm saying. I feel like you could have... If you do it right and you're mature enough, and that's what I mean by that, Like I could could never do this as a kid. I yeah. could never do this as a young kid. Yeah, right. have to be mature. Way too many insecurities. Yeah. Now, now, obviously, now with my with my girl, now it'd be difficult because we're, we live together. But let's let's just say, you know, I was single. I got my kids. We got the business. I could see how this there could be some benefits, right? Because you could focus on your you know, could be independent, and then, mm-hmm. like you said, on the weekends, now you get to have your time. Well, right. Katrina would be a great one to talk to because I'm actually her first boyfriend that has ever been local. 
mm. for 30 something years she has always dated men she's either very business and out of, motivated right yeah. out of state and or at least out of city where she's da- that's how she's always dated guys she's mm. never wanted to be around somebody that often where she's like and that was for those reasons they would always just be in her business she has she's too independent to have somebody mm. in in her shit all the time and she really enjoyed the long distance relationships until I came along. So before that, so I, I think there can be uh, great stuff to long distance. I really, to me, it depends on your age, depends on where you're at with that current relationship. Um, I, I, I think there's a lot to be said about having the confidence uh, of n- not allowing uh, the distance to cause all the stuff that it's inevitable will come. Like you were, you'll have, you have to moments. be pretty secure. You, yes. You're going to have moments of insecurity. I don't care how old you are. There'll be moments where, because you're so far away from each other, you know, where were you at last night? Why didn't you call me back on this? Or, you know, I feel like you don't want to come see me because you've been so busy with work and what's going on and who's the new guy that you're working with now. Like, I mean, there's so many things that are going to happen and if you find yourself, you know, uh, becoming this jealous guy or girl because of all these situations, to me, that's where this long distance relationship becomes unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And at that point, if you really love this person, you're probably better off stepping away from it because really, if you're that connected, you love each other that much, if you move away from each other and allow each other to go their separate ways, you'll eventually find each other again. I guarantee it. It's just most people don't have the don't have the cojones to do that to where they're they're too insecure. They're too afraid that if you walked away from this, you're going to lose it forever. Mm-hmm. And if you're in that kind of a relationship, it's probably, probably you're, not good. Anyway. Yeah, you're probably not it's good. A matter in your, of time. You're not in a healthy situation if you, that's how you feel anyway. So that's my shitty advice there (laughs) (laughs) experts just go for it love everything (laughs) bet on love next up is Ashley Farias do you think it is legitimate that to be great at a sport you need to start at a young age what what do you mean by great like a professional level that must be yeah they must be talking about specialization definitely no because um there is tons of stories. Michael Jordan. Uh, when did he start playing basketball? Not till high school, dude. Yeah. Well, that's still, and he wasn't even. Good. That is not, so, y- bro. Young. When people say young, okay, they're talking about like f- five, six years uh, old. Yeah, yeah. Tiger Woods was playing golf yeah. at three. Well, there's this bro. epidemic like, of parents getting fucking crazy with this. Right. And, like, there's specializing. a there's a um, you know, trophy kids. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, Mark Bell and his Chris Bell and him did one called Trophy Kids. Mm-hmm. Great documentary on this exact uh, getting extreme, like going way overboard because parents turn into these trying to live vicariously through their kid. Yeah. It's like how they, it's the same that you see with those pageants, you know, the moms with the pageant no, girls, yeah. how unhealthy that can become. God. It can become unhealthy when parents start to put their kids in sports because they want them to be successful versus the kid really wanting to. And then it gets weird because it's like your identity you know, through your kids. It's like, you know, whatever they did, it, like it should amount to what you did, you know, and your experience like with the sports and all that kind of stuff. So I, yeah, this has been one of those things for me. Like I always think about because I'm totally like, uh, I can I can identify like those signs like way ahead of time like oh my god I'm getting I'm getting into this I want like this for for them and I want them to experience it the way I did and like this and so uh, I've been very cautious to <clears throat> like embed myself into their process with this right. versus like really observe really observe and then and then you know interject myself where I feel. Um, you know, they're looking for advice. They're looking for help. They're looking to, to play catch with me. You know, they're, 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 they're seeking these things from me and it's just starting to happen. Yeah. So. You know, I think be- 
the reason why this happens is I think people or parents believe that this plays a bigger role in their child being great at a sport than it actually does. It will. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it'll. here's where it will matter. Okay? It's there. It's not. So if you have a seven-year-old kid and you get him in him or her into their sport right away right and you're getting so my uncle's an example of this like so he's had my uh cousins you know training with the quarterbacks who fucking trained steve young and like he was paying out all this money to have like the best of the best coaches around them they were in all the leagues year round and uh you know one of them ended up uh playing just through high school the other one went off to college went off to a d1 school and played uh, all four years in college and then nothing after that now, I think that getting them involved at that young age helped them excel at the at like youth football, right? Mm-hmm. But genetically, the, nothing that my uncle could do is was going to take my cousin to the professional level of football. Mm-hmm. And there, there is that, and that's where you when you get to the when you talk about pros, you don't understand the, what those levels mean, right? There, you not only what do it you takes. not only do you have to have the work ethic, not only did you start probably years before, but you also have the genetics. Like you have, then that's this is where the genetic component comes in so much. And I talk about this a lot. I, I throw out the whole swimming thing with me, right? Like I've never been taught or trained how to swim properly, but yet I have this gift to get in a pool and I can swim pretty damn well for someone who doesn't know how to do it. And so it, had I been trained at an early age, I probably could be at a higher level. Now, I probably could never have got to the Olympic level or crazy because maybe I just don't have it genetically there. Maybe I have a little bit more of a, a genetic advantage than Justin or Sal at swimming in a pool, but not quite enough to be Michael Phelps status, right? Sure. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, they both play a role. But when you talk about getting a kid into that, you're trying to hope that one day they play a pro. Genetics are going to play the largest role. Yep, and you know what you find more often than not when people, uh, parents, put their kids in sports with the idea that my my kid's going to be a great football player one day or a great baseball player one day, is more often than not you see kids who grow up to hate yeah. what they used to do. Absolutely, I, I know. I had clients totally. like this. I had clients who. Their parents put them in swimming or gymnastics or something else at an early age, and and it was like this: we're going to make you great uh, type of thing. And once these kids grew up and graduated from you know high school or college, they never wanted to fucking step foot in it again. I have a friend. Well, not who, only that, it takes over their identity. That's what I'm saying. I had yeah. a fr- I have a friend who competed in synchronized swimming at a very high level. Um, in fact, she was an Olympic alternate. Okay. She now has daughters, and her daughters take to the water like fish, and she's like, fuck, man, I hope they don't want to do... She hates it so much, she hopes her kids don't want to do synchronized <laughs> swimming because she was forced to do it so much as a kid, and that's what you see more often than not. Now, here's you got to also look at the, your, the, the payback or whatever di- potential dividends you may get. Let's say you take your kids and you put them in sports at a young age, and you you're thinking you're going to make them great. The odds of them getting a lot of benefit from that are actually pretty small. They're definitely going to get good at their sport, better than most kids because they're at a young age. The odds of them actually making a living of doing it are still tiny. Now, if you took that same effort 
and had your kids learn something like uh, another language, academics, yeah, right. other language, whatever. It's a good point. Again, they may not be, you know, a Steve Jobs God, or some you know kind what? Of tech wizard, but they're going to get a lot more out of it. There's, you know what I'm we could we could debate this a little bit because I could, but then again, you're putting them in academics, so then I think that's a good, that's a very good uh, recommendation, right? Because you, there's all kinds of stats to show kids that play sports. Yeah. Oh, those benefit uh, for sure. Yeah. I'm just they, saying they I'm get higher, them. they get higher grades. They yeah. they uh, stay out of trouble. Yeah. They stay out of trouble. Yeah. They're less likely to do drugs. There's all these great stats to show how how positive they work it is. Well, for the people, right? Yeah. Yes, sure. right. There's lots of great benefits to starting a kid in sports at a very young age. I think just as a parent, you have to have a healthy relationship with that and them, and understanding that. Like so, I think that I wish my parents got me. I didn't start basketball until I think I was in seventh or eighth grade. I wish I was playing at five. Because I think I would have been a better high school player had I done that. Now, do I think that would have taken me to the collegiate level or even pros? Definitely not. Just because I don't have it. I don't have, I could have been pretty, I could have been that much better in high school, but I don't think I would have been better enough Mm -hmm. to go to the elite level. So you're really helping your kid out with that. Like he's probably going to be better at the high school level, maybe college level, because you started him at a very early, or her at a very early age. But the likelihood of you making the difference of them going pro or well, not, they they got it or they don't got it. I Could, think too, like I mean, there's there's an argument too for you know as you specialize like completely, like how you're just destined for all these imbalances, like even like earlier on set. Oh my god! Uh, right. So you know, versus, well, we talked about this with Kelly Starr. That's right? what I was going to bring up. Yeah, he was even mentioning like what coaches are now seeking. You know, like uh, more players that have more of a diverse background with like different sports and unique skills because, you know, all that stuff helps to uh, provide, you know, the joints will move better and operate more efficiently longer, longer term. So like, you know, like careers are, are very short lived for people that specialized. You know what? Um, so my uncle, who I keep referring to, also coaches um, Little League football. And I used to love to go watch him coach these little guys and they're they're he would coach sixth seventh and eighth graders and you know at that level he used to just whoop the shit out of all the other coaches too and my my uncle just loves he's super competitive and you know his magic he would say is is really in the simplicity he says you know i teach these kids all season long three to four fucking plays Mm -hmm. and they know those de la salle sort of method totally and he's a huge fan of de la salle and uh he drills this home and then you then it is it's like and i remember i'd come like i just watched last year and i came watch his his season and he always points out like who the kids are you know he's like watch 17 watch five watch three and they're just gonna and they're just gonna run the same play and then you see these kids that you know they're not doing anything like super smart on the field like knowing the field really well it's just they're athletically gifted they're just mm-hmm. they're a step faster than every other child and he could put them at quarterback he can put them at running back he can put them at cornerback he can put them at safety he can put them in any position in the field and they they separate mm-hmm. themselves and that's not because those like, kids it's mindless yeah. yeah it's they're just they're they have a step on everybody mm-hmm. and that's the genetic component which that, yeah as a coach you can argue at that level at the high school level that's going to win you the most games right because right you know like and that's what I experienced too, going from high school and then to college. It's like, you know, I only had to know like basically maybe like four or five people's positions on the field, what they're responsible for. And like, you know, the zones and all that kind of stuff. And like what was happening in the play versus college. You have to know every single person, what everybody's doing. 
right. every single play. And then you, like everybody in the huddle, we have to know what, what everybody's doing. So that way everything runs efficiently. And mm-hmm. it's like way more complex, way more film to break down, way more like it's so much more sophisticated. But, um, you know, there, there's something to that uh, simplicity, you know, in that level, it works. So, so I feel like when you say something like that, what goes through my head in, in answering a question like this, I think. So if you have a kid who naturally takes to a sport and they love it, I think the best thing that you can do is to encourage the repetitions and the practice and the running the plays. And like that's probably what's going to get them to excel or be better than anything else. If they've got the talent, they have the gift, and they love to do it, mm-hmm. is to then, then guiding them in the direction. Trying to force a kid into a sport because you want them to be good at that sport or you think that they could be good at that sport. And in reality, it's not a matter of you getting them started a year or two earlier. It's really them finding what they're, they're, their thing that they love, their thing that they're passionate about, they enjoy, and they have some talent, which for kids – it's normally the thing they're good at, right? Like Shit, if they want to do it, yeah, like help them out with that and let them like sharpen their skill with that. Right, There's right. nothing wrong with that, but yeah, just like make sure that they're getting uh you, you know exposure to all these different things. It's so. a it's a balancing act as a parent. You have to balance like when you kind of push and when you don't. Because there's definitely times when, you know, you have to set structures and you have to you know, there's definitely times when you tell your kid no and you tell them, "Yes, you got to do this and you know, I'm going to push you a little bit." But yeah. I think when you, I've seen a lot of parents like this where they go, I've trained these kids. I've trained kids whose parents were like this. And I kind of cringe sometimes because I'd see these kids. I'm like, this kid is not happy mm-hmm. being forced to do these things. They may be good. And they may be doing it. It's not going to last. It's not going to last. They don't like it. They're, they're developing a poor relationship with the sport or with, you know, this you know, being forced to do this. And the second they have the freedom to say no when they become an adult, that's the first thing they're going to run away from. And, so, you, you know, you kind of yeah. got to be careful with a little bit. But as far as starting at a real young age, you know, someone like Tiger Woods, who started so young, whose dad coached him, he also fucking wanted to do it. Like, he uh, loved it. Yeah. Uh, Serena Williams and her sister, you know, yeah. same thing. He's they, also a bit of a degenerate now, too. So. <laughs> You're, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. That's a yeah. very, very good point. Yeah, you know? yeah it's interesting. I, I just remember, like, a statistic. Somebody's telling me, like, the like lacrosse like how that sport just blew up here in the states because parents didn't know the game they didn't understand it so guess what they can't fucking coach their kids how to do it and their kids loved it and that that was interesting and they just had fun doing yeah, it they just had fun i had a so i have a friend uh this is a sad story and this is kind of related to the question whose parents were um extremely strict and rigid uh, both parents, advanced degrees, very intelligent. Uh, he was a smart kid too. I mean, the kid always got straight A's, hardworking kid, but his parents were always on him, pushing him harder and harder to perform academically. And he was valedictorian, got to a you know uh, private college, uh, you know, great SAT scores, you know, ended up getting a PhD, got a job, got laid off, was unemployed for four months trying to find work. Um, and uh, killed himself, uh, committed suicide, actually wrote a suicide note and um, blamed it all on, and I felt so bad for his parents, but blamed it all on the environment that he grew up in where he, he could not go out as a kid. He couldn't do anything. He would get straight A's. It still wasn't good enough. They pushed him and pushed him and pushed him, and he did perform at an extremely high level, but it, it it cracked him. It, it, you know, he broke. And I know that's an extreme example of that, but it was very, very sad. I remember hearing all this and it was just like, oh man, I felt so bad for his parents who have to now 
Yeah. Live with the fact Jesus, that Jesus, bro. Now no no fucking parents. Horrible. <laughs> like, Holy shit. Well, okay, son, we're not signing you up for Pop Warner this year. <laughs> fucking it Sal just, says you're going to kill yourself. It just reminded me oh of, you know, of, of this conversation, uh, but it was <laughs> we did I know. Dep- we need to press everybody. Sorry. Moving along, Doug. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> hey kids, play video games all day. I just heard Sal tell a story. <laughs> Get in there and read. Quick commercial break. Hey, people ask us all the time how they can support Mind Pump. Here's what you can do. Uh, you can go to www.brain.fm forward slash mind pump and get 20% off Brain FM for meditation or focus. You can also go to audibletrial.com forward slash mind pump and get a 30 day trial plus one free audio book. Lastly, you can go to getnatureblend.com forward slash mind pump and you will get a discount on Ben Greenfield's CBD product. Next up is Shrelly W. How do you guys deal with performance anxiety? Like, like what? in the, like in the bedroom. Yeah, like I don't know. I, I, I yell at it. I'm like, you perform, or, yeah. or maybe you they can do it. Maybe they mean by like, like the show, like getting in front of camera, doing all that. Any performance, like, all performance anxiety, I think is the same, right? It's all anxiety over your own uh, expectations of what you think you need to do or whatever you think other people think okay, that's, you should be able to do, Okay, right? you can draw. Okay, I'm, all right. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm having the I'm like having the, the visual of like looking down at your dick talking to it right now, like freaking out. Like, oh my God, come, come on. on man. Yeah. One, she, two, three, Yeah, why go. aren't you working? Yeah. Um, so this is different from person to person. For me... Well, yeah, I, let's go around here. I mean, I think, to me, I think the, I was joking about the... I don't think anybody in here has performance anxiety in the bedroom. But I'm sure we've all experienced, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, exactly. If you are, go ahead and share. But maybe, uh, I'm sure we've all gone through this. I know we've kind of talked off air before uh, about what it was like the first time that we stood up in front of a audience of people and and talked the first time we got on these microphones, first time we had to do YouTube. Like, and, you know, there was there was some of this performance anxiety, I think. I don't, uh, you could yeah, classify. we started out by drinking a lot to deal with it. Right, right. <laughs> we did. That's our answer. That was it. No, it was. And, and you, the, you know, it's funny is I remember, uh, I remember feeling that we had to do that to settle down. And I really feel like that it's the numbing part of that, right? You're trying to trying to settle the mind down, and so you're trying to numb it, whether it be through cannabis or having a couple of drinks, whatever. That's what we used to do before a show, before we got on the mics. Um, but then it, then it got to a point where we had done it enough that there was no longer anxiety, but then we still had the habits of doing that. And I realized that I liked uh, I liked the show much better when we were 100% sober so that we made the transition the other direction, right? And then the occasional now. But I never really felt... Um, I think the YouTube was probably the hardest for me. YouTube is... And still to this day, YouTube is weird. Yeah. It's still... It's kind of awkward. YouTube and Insta Story for me is still awkward as fuck. And I try not to feel awkward when I do it so that it doesn't come off that way. Um and it's just weird to me talking to a phone by myself or having like Doug just like videoing us and like talking like you're talking to potentially tens of thousands or even million people uh, on on YouTube and and it just feels weird. Mm. You know, I feel like standing up in front of it, like when we go to like a seminar or I, I did yeah, that for a, you'd see their eyes and get feedback. Yeah, and I did that for when we worked at twenty four. I mean, that was something that was a very regular thing that I had to do where I had to do hold these seminars. So I got really comfortable with standing in front of an audience and talking to people. Uh, plus, I've always been an outgoing person, and uh, you know, I've never never been uncomfortable in situations like that. When I'm getting feedback from people, immediate feedback like their facial expressions, like you're saying, Justin, and like laughter or like huh or like any that stuff helps me 
communicate. Yeah, because then you tweak and alter your, and, your and, message. And, and this is why I think I struggle with Insta Story and, and YouTube so much is there's no immediate feedback. As so as I'm talking and whatever whatever message I'm delivering, it just it feels weird because I don't know if it's getting through. I'm running on whatever you know. What I'm saying where you get that when you're in a live audience. Mm, I, mean, yeah. you, I learned uh, a big lesson with this a long time ago. Um, competing in, uh, I, I did a few competitions in, in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and I would get really really hyped. Oh, that's right. You did say you used to get all, and then I'd get anxious, and uh, you know before the match, um, and then I'd be exhausted when I'd have the match and it was all, be- and I was in fit. I was in shape. I had prepared probably better than most people because I was a fitness, you know, uh, uh, professional as well. So I knew what to do on that level, but I'd get so hyped and pumped and, and, you know, for a week before the freaking match or matches that then I would get exhausted my first match. And I had this shift where I realized that I should really focus my energy on bringing everything down because I was already so amped. Mm-hmm. That if I brought myself down through things that were relaxing, like massage and going to bed early and quiet music or even meditation, that I would perform a, a lot better. So I think you have to identify what your anxiety feels like. If you feel like you're not confident and you feel scared, then you might need a pump up. You might need a confidence boost where you do a power pose or someone slaps you in the face or you have some coffee to give you a little bit of motivation. If you're so amped that you end up like you're too much uh, energy where you feel shaky or you feel like you're going to start talking too fast, then you might need to do the opposite and bring yourself down. So I think you have to identify what kind of anxiety you have. And what Adam's talking about um, when it comes to practice, I mean, um, frequent exposure will definitely reduce mm-hmm. your anxiety. This is a very classic uh, technique it's where like MO. if you have a fear of something, the more you do it, the less you're going to be anxious. So if you are going to speak in front of a crowd, practice your speech in front of people over and over and over and over and over again until you just like, you know, it like the back of your hand, yeah. that will do a lot to reduce your anxiety. Unless you're like me where I get too hyped, in which case practicing over and over and over again only gets me more and more and more amped to the point where then again, uh, it's too much for me. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll forget. I'll purposely not think about what I'm about to do. And then when I get on, um, then well, I'm on. I think you said something really key that actually hit home for me listening to you is is understanding where where and what you're getting the anxiety from. Like I remember what caused that anxiety for me was the fear of saying something stupid, Right. And I think once I accepted that I'm going to say something stupid and that's totally okay. And what's the worst thing that's going to happen is someone's going to make fun of me, right? Like the worst thing's going to happen. I'm going to say something completely stupid. It did not come out right. And everybody's going to make fun of me. And so once you get comfortable with the worst case scenario, then it's not a big deal anymore. Like I just go in like, fuck yeah, I'm probably going to say something totally inappropriate, something totally stupid. I'm going to misspell something. I'm going to, I'm going to make up a word. I'm going to say something that's someone. And then people are going to totally make fun of me for that. So, mm. yeah. so what? what? Like, so the fuck what? What does that, what does that mean? Is that, I, I mean, I think that's what you, you have to decide what or figure out what is it that is causing the anxiety and then just be okay with it. Like, you know, I, I, you talk about like uh, going into a judo match or going into a fight with somebody like, what is the absolute worst thing to happen? You get you beat, lose. you yeah. lose, right? You get you beat. So what? 
Because you know what? If you get beat, you're going to be better the next time, right? Because you, you're going to learn from that mistake. The same thing, go, I, I approach the same thing with her, you know, presenting or talking or getting on YouTube or doing these weird things is I'm probably going to say something stupid. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to make fun of me. That's great because I'm going to get that out of the way and then I won't do that again. Yeah. I'm going to do it. You know what I'm saying? And so when you start to embrace the worst thing that could potentially happen in this scenario that you're heading into and accept it and anticipate it, then I think you get more comfortable with yeah, it. Yeah, which is funny because some people will will like kind of think about those things like worst case scenario, but then they just dwell on those worst case right. things, right? But that's so bad. Like they can't like, yeah, they can't back out of that and like realize that, um, you know, that's worst case scenario. That's not necessarily a given, right. you know? And so you just have to put yourself out there and be okay with it. Like, and even if it does, who cares? Who cares? Like, yeah, who you're c- going to run, whatever, dude. You, like it's it, like, you're going to survive. Like everything's going to be fine. And, yeah. That, I mean, obviously, like, this has been, like, an uncomfortable thing, but this has been the M.O. is the exposure, you know? It's the more times you do things, um, you know, then it it, it all kind of comes together. You get more comfortable with it. You don't have those same feelings anymore. Like, you, you literally can numb those feelings. And I I remember um, the most anxious I think I've been was, was mainly when I would get on stage and I was going to play music mm. because, like, I think it was like you're saying, I got so, I was so overly amped. And it was just like, ah, uh, finally I get to like, you know, play this cool thing in front of these people and all these people. And like, I would actually get to the point where my, my fingers would like lose strength and I would like lose the pick like all the yes. time. And I'd just be like, and, like making horrible noises. <laughs> like, no, it's happening again. And I had to like, I had to like start like just breathing and, and, and really work on that because I would just, I would, it would mess me up. Like my performance would, would drop out there. I think that, I think the whole accepting the you're gonna fuck up deal and it's going to, it's going to eventually get bad sometimes is, and oh, and being okay with that because that's what makes success and nailing it so more awesome because yeah. you've failed before and you fucked up and you've been nervous and you've been scared and people made fun of you and this and that. So when you do nail it and when you do win and then there's so much more. If all you ever do is win and every time you do something you'll say all the right things and you're you're so perfect about everything you do, it loses its luster, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's beauty in in the fuck up. There's beauty in the failing. There's beauty in all that because when you succeed, it makes it that much well, better. That's what's so interesting to me to watch like Conor McGregor, uh, just the way that he carries himself with so much confidence and like having the vision already established and like seeing, you know, all the steps it takes to get to this point, get to this point, but putting himself out to fail. Right. And then literally rebounding or just like, you know, like, like enjoying the process of it. And, and being like, well, I'll put myself now in this situation and I'm going to tackle it. Right. It doesn't matter if I win or, or lose. He's not going to talk about losing. He, obviously, he's like very focused on prevailing, but at the same time, he's doing it. He's in there right. where everybody else won't do it because they can't take the failure part. Right. I'll tell you what's fascinating is you know now we're doing some of these vlogs and stuff on YouTube, and I've there's we've done a few of them, and Justin totally shines. You totally shine when you're being funny and you're by yourself on camera. It's a completely another fucking level of Justin that I've never seen. Like that's the only place I've ever felt comfortable. It's weird, and it yeah. comes out like like there's that one vlog. I think we aired it right where he was doing the funny things at the table and he's hiding and all this stuff stuff. Yeah, and I'm just like, this is a whole fucking level of Justin that I've never seen. Where you're just like like your pure, I guess your talent comes out. For, I'm not comfortable being 
for me being funny on camera, I feel that's when I feel anxious. If I'm if I'm informing, I'm like on fire. I have no yeah. problem. Or if I'm debating, I'm on fire. No problem. Tell me to be funny. Like, okay, Sal, you need to be funny right now. I'm not going to be funny. And I can be funny, but it's usually on accident. It's not trying to be. Right, right. Yeah. When you do your thing on camera, it's like, what is the difference between that and other stuff where you so feel? Weird. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, I don't know. I think it's, um, it, that, that's been with me ever since childhood. You know, it's like when I'm around like a group of guys or, or you know, just a group in general, I feel like this need to, to, entertain and and, mm. and and do something to kind of shake it up and be funny or do something crazy like i, I will like put myself on blast for some reason like that to me feels re- rewarding you know and so i like i've i've definitely always tried working on that like unintentionally but like i've, I've noticed that that's like my my go-to like i, I want to like you know i want to establish that so it's like that's something i can do you know i can add this see it's it seems to me that uh, that we take for granted that they're all skills and we tend to think that you know i'm just good at this one and i'm not good at that one right you know what i'm saying yeah but i think like if i could take the confidence that i have because i don't have anxiety if you have me if you tell me to inform or debate on a subject or whatever, discuss, or even if I'm leading and I'm telling, you know, I have a a crew and I'm doing a meeting like that. I have zero fear, zero anxiety. It's all fire. It's all awesome. Again, if you tell me to be funny or perform or do improv or something like that, all of a sudden I'm this nervous, uh, you know, anxious, not confident individual. But I think there is a way where I could take how I feel about one thing and transfer to the other because I know if I felt the same way, I'd probably be good. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of it, it's interesting that we're talking about this because I'm kind of having a little bit of an epiphany about it. Where hmm. I know I feel good doing this, but not this, and why? What's the big fucking deal? I can't have that same feeling. Well, why is it? Why is this yeah. any different than the last question where we talked about kids and the genetic the genetics that they have? Right. This is the same type of same idea here. Right. You have uh, kids where the the genetic component is always going to play a big role, mm-hmm. but doesn't mean you can't start early or practice and practice mm-hmm. and practice to get better. Right. Like so. If you don't have the natural ability to, you know, get in front of the camera and be funny, then it's not you just genetically aren't built that way. You're better at informing. Sure. It's a natural gift, which we all knew the minute you turned the camera on, mm-hmm. you had a knack for the green screen and you could just get on there and you could talk and be very, very informative. Uh, you you talk with a lot of empathy. That's a talent of yours that you have. Plus you've continued to uh, you know, work at it and get better and better. So you really excel at it. But then you have this other side where you've never really had You've never gave two shits about being funny or being a com- comedic, you know, uh, on the on the show or you know in front of camera. So you haven't really practiced that. But I bet you, if you approach that, you practice it, you could get pretty damn good. That's, That's why. Who were we just talking to? Oh, it was Jay when we went down and record with him. And he said one of the best things he ever did was doing the enrolling in the improv class. Yep. Mm. He says that that has Doug taken, has said that several times. Yeah, too. he said, said that would be a smart thing for yeah. us to do. And, you know, and it's uh, and we talk about it. God, fuck! I wish we had more time because it's something that we for sure. I think you know, we, we could have someone come in here, dude, and do yeah, it here. We, and we've, 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 film we've, it. we've talked about that. I think that you know those type of things, right? So uh, you know, this going back to the original question of performance anxiety. I think it does matter what what we're talking about here. I think we joked about it sexually. I'm assuming that this person's <laughs> talking more about sports and getting on the mic and doing things like that. Uh, to me, it's like. You know, embracing the embracing the failures. Well, man. hey, I mean, even even sexually, even sexually, like right, right. You're, you're way more likely to have anxiety the first few times you have sex with someone right, right, than right. after you've been with them for right. You know, I have I, I can I've had buddies who I actually 
one of my uh, I'm not going to say who this person is because if I say how I'm related to them, whatever <laughs> oh, they'll no. know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But uh, they were in a long relationship. Then they got out of a relationship. Young dude, healthy, whatever. Met up with this girl, super attracted to her. They liked each other. Goes to you know they go to have sex, and for the first time in his entire life, in at the time he was probably 27 or 28, so he's young. He's like, I couldn't. He goes, Sally he goes, I've never like not been able to get like a full on boner. He's like, that's never happened to me. He goes, my testosterone low. It's happened like two times in a row. And it's just because he was fucking nervous. Like, like he, three quarter. Or he was nervous. Like, he was. What are we working with here? <laughs> you know what I mean, he was fucking nervous. And he's and afterwards he's like, yeah, man. Once I got comfortable, like I was okay. Right. Yeah. So it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Like practice, practice, practice. <laughs> and eventually, sometimes pregame. Yeah. And eventually, yeah. you'll get a boner. There it is. <laughs> there's, your, there's your advice. Start there warming you go. it up. Hey, check it out. Go to YouTube, Mind Pump TV. It's our channel on YouTube. A new video every single day. We mix them up. We have informal, uh, informational videos, and we've got some vlogs that are going up now, too, where you can kind of see what's happening behind it's the scenes here at uh, Mind Pump Media Studios. Uh, also, if you want to ask us a question that we answer on an episode like this one, the place to do it is Instagram. The page to do it on is Mind Pump Media. We also have personal pages. Mine is Mind Pump Sal. Adam is Mind Pump Adam. And Justin is Mind Pump Justin. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>